You're listening to Radically Pragmatic, a podcast from the Progressive Policy Institute. We talk with lawmakers, policy experts, and thought leaders about the issues driving the news nationally and internationally. The Progressive Policy Institute is a catalyst for policy innovation and political reform with offices in Washington, D.C. and Brussels. Its mission is to create radically pragmatic ideas for moving America beyond ideological and partisan deadlock. We encourage analytical conversations, not your typical partisan talking points. Welcome back to another episode of the Rise Reports podcast. I am Curtis Valentine, the co-director of the Reinventing America Schools Project, and I am here on location at South by Southwest EDU here in Austin, and I'm pleased to bring you a series we're calling What's Next? The Future Is Now, and this is really an opportunity for me to connect with some amazing educators who are here in Austin for South by Southwest, uh, and today's guest is uh, one of the best. Um, Jay Artis Wright is the uh, president of Freedom Coalition for Charter Schools, uh, and I want to give her a chance to talk about that, but she's here, um, she's speaking, um, she's meeting with folks, uh, great opportunity uh, to learn about what she's doing, and so welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you. Thanks so much, Curtis. I'm excited to be here. And um, this is my first time at South by Southwest, but uh, don't expect it to be my last. So I'm really excited about all the things and really happy to be on the on the podcast with you. So what brings you to Austin? What, what were you doing while you're what will you be doing while you're here? Um, so I'm here in two regards. The first is um we are partnered with EdChoice that recently did a survey on black parents and black black parent school choice. And um, they're here to present uh, the results of that. You know, ideally, what we found through the survey is that um, you know black parents across the country uh, want other options. You know, that's that's no a no brainer. Everyone does. All parents have been fighting for for better school options, but specifically within the black community, um, it's been a forefront conversation that I think has gained even more momentum after the pandemic. And so we're just talking about the data that we found, um, all positive stuff, you know, showing that Black families not only want school options, but they don't care whether they're charter, whether they're a micro school, homeschool. The reality is, is that the status quo of our public education system no longer works and has specifically failed our Black kids. And parents are now um, organizing more than ever to, to change that narrative. So I'm here to talk about that. Uh, the second thing I'm here to do is to introduce um, a broader network of people outside of our uh, education reform silos to the Freedom Coalition for Charter Schools. Um, it's the organization that I am the executive director of and uh, has been in existence for about three and a half years now. Um, our founder is Dr. Howard Fuller. Our board chair is Dr. Steve Perry. And the organization is a national organization in 10 regions across the country, serving up to about 4,000 students, um, over 300 school leaders of color. Um, and our main motivation and mission is to advocate on behalf of black and brown leadership in the charter school space specifically. Um, we lead from this idea of self-determination and parent choice being our forefront beacon to be able to share why that public why public education is so important to us? That's outstanding. Um, Howard Fuller, Dr. Howard Fuller, is uh, a fan of um, and a supporter of of the 
of a podcast um, and as someone who actually is on the advisory council for our project. Uh, and so uh, anything that he's associated with, you know, uh, we're all for. Um, I'm curious, uh, what about the work of the of the Freedom Coalition um, most excites you? You know, what's what's happening at the coalition that, that really gets you up in the morning? Yeah, I think um, the first and foremost is that we are a national organization that is founded and led by people of color. So, um, you know, our board is 50% African-American, um, you know, 45% Latino. Um, it is so motivating for me. I've been in this education space for over 20 years and specifically in the charter school and school choice space for about 15 years. And um, it's just so refreshing to be in a space of leadership where, you know, everyone is not only foundationally invested because they uh, want to run schools and they want to run quality schools, but they also invested because we each share our own personal stories about either our own trials and tribulations going through a public school system or just growing up in, in an education environment that um, pretty much didn't really welcome you know, the success and advancement and looking at us as, as scholars. So that's what gets me up in the morning and motivates me. Um, and I'm really just truly excited about reshaping the narrative around charters specifically. Um, charters have been around for over 30 years and in their initial um, launch, they were launched by people of color, by parents, by teachers who basically wanted to opt out of the failing public school system that wasn't serving their students well in their communities. And the reality is, you know, 30 something years later, that's still the case, um, but unfortunately, Within that uh, the launch and the movement, um, I feel like charter school leaders um, got comfortable with accepting. Oh, and the other thing I'll say is that it was it was a bipartisan effort. And so I think in the last maybe ten years, maybe ten or twelve years, uh, you know, charter school leaders specifically have gotten kind of comfortable with just allowing one party line to um, lead that effort and support our work. And um, although, you know, that that works for some, it doesn't work for all. And I think specifically for our African-American, Latino, indigenous, um, you know, people of color, um, that narrative was lost because, you know, we opened schools because it's personal. We opened schools because we saw what didn't have what we didn't have and what our children didn't have in the systems that were designed, you know, you know 30, 40, 50 years ago. So um, I'm excited about reshaping that narrative around, you know, choice and charters and um, getting charter school leaders and parents to speak for themselves um, on behalf of the authentic work that they do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this idea, and we've similarly had, you know, this, you know, campaign to really um, reframe the narrative around charter schools, you know, the idea of it being a, a, um, a uh, idea of the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. um, and, and the sort of the democratic roots of it, but also the 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 idea of the principle of the schools that are um, publicly funded but community led uh, is an idea that I think goes back even longer than thirty years. Uh, that right. I Absolutely. My experience that uh, folks need to talk about, um, but I'm I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing. It's a, it's the it's the right thing to do at the right time, uh, and so I'm I'm excited about what you're doing. I'm curious. I'm sure my listeners are curious about what's next. So. 
Um, what are what are something that you all are working on that may not have you know come to fully full fruition, but is something that you all are, are putting together and you think um, can make a pretty big difference moving forward? I mean, this this conference South by Southwest is really um, geared towards the future of education. Folks are looking at you know what's next in education, mm -hmm. uh, what's next for the Freedom Coalition. Yeah, thanks so much for asking. And and I will say that um, one of the greatest things about this effort that we're leading is that it is a coalition. So we are working in collaboration with a lot of partners in each one of our regions. And I think that in itself is a new narrative that more people are talking about um, is that you know this work doesn't work well in silos. We do have to reach across party lines. We do have to um, you know, build foundationally on what works and and not just have our heads down. So so what's what's next in that regard is um, broadening the scope of people who are in this fight for public for quality public education. Um, you mentioned kind of like the fact that this this whole idea of community schools and and the idea of um, building our own started you know way before 30 years ago you're absolutely right and and I think you know you're seeing this now with the rise of more HBCUs who are now getting invested in not only um starting charter schools but but finding ways to be authorizers of charter schools which I think is really valuable to the conversation um I think what's next is a continuation of what what we started and that is the fact that charter schools work um you know the the data will show us that in our black and brown communities, black kids have longer um, hours and, and have better advancement in you know, their education because they, you know, they have longer school times because it's been successful in black and brown charter schools. Um, when we look at things like you know, the teacher attrition that we're seeing happen nationally, we're finding that in our black and brown charter schools, they have teacher retention that is high and they're finding ways to not only keep teachers in the classroom, but create pipelines where teachers advance and go out to be administrators. So all of that is great work. Um, and we're excited to be a part of that and working in collaboration, like I said, on the ground with people. What's next, what I believe is this um, reigniting the civil rights movement with the education movement. And, and I think it's primarily, and, and if I have anything to do with it, it's gonna be primarily led by black people and brown people, because you know, at the end of the day, we're the ones that are getting impacted by you know the social injustices the most. And so, the next movement I think will look more so like what started out to be, where you have more folks of color um, leading conversations, more folks of color leading organizations, um, and hopefully getting the support that they need to continue along this this idea of like. How do we build quality public education options for everybody? Yeah, I mean, this the vision you have, I think, is is really where it all starts. I mean, I think the way you've been able to articulate it is um, is, is is spot on, um, and and that has to be the message. It has to be consistent. Mm -hmm. um, to your point, when you're a coalition, um, that's often the struggle of of speaking with one voice, uh, and so that's incredibly important. Um, to this work. I'm, I'm looking forward to working with you on it, you know, moving forward as well. Uh, I think, again, we're here at South By and this idea of this conference being the, the foremost conference on technology and education is one that over time has, has become sort of what they've been known for. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious, like what, how will technology, what role will technology play in the work of the Freedom Coalition moving forward? 
Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I was thinking about that question and, um, you know, I'm dating myself, but I think it was maybe like my 40 years ago now when when technology was first inter introduced to like the K through 12 education system, like you remember the Oregon Trail? I don't know if you even, I don't know how old you are, but there was this <laughs> software program yeah. called the Oregon Trail that was like an Apple computer program that they brought to classrooms. And, you know, I was thinking about that and I was like, wow, like, have over 40 years, we've seen technology advance so much, but we still haven't really seen it advance to the levels that it could advance in our public education system, right? Like there's still kids across this country who don't even have access to a, a computer on a regular day on a regular basis in their school. Right. So, you know, technology wise, you know, and 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 you know, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, those again are in our black and brown communities where you know, they have low performing schools, they don't have the resources. It's a, it's a constant, constant fight and a constant struggle. But the reality is it doesn't have to be when we look at technology, because technology is set aside to, to break down those boundaries, to, you know, to eliminate the walls, to connect people globally. So with the Freedom Coalition, we completely embrace the idea of how can we advance and amplify technology in everything we do um, building it even from a capacity standpoint, like our organization is is small staffing wise, but you know we leverage social media to be able to do, you know do do digital organizing to get our people on the ground when we need to be, and you know we we use services and software programs to um, not only tell our story but to like help reinvent the narrative so that our school leaders can tell those stories. So everything that we do is based off of a technology mindset. And, and I think that that's the future of education, at least it's supposed to be, because again, we got, we got some catching up to do considering that, you know, Oregon trail was like our first inter, you know, introduction and, and we're still kind of battling with, you know, how do people even get access to computers and internet in the classroom? You said Oregon Trail. I thought you were going to say, uh, "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" Uh, no, no, that. I'm, <laughs> yeah, there was that too, but I think that came like ten years later. No, it, Oregon Trail. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm dating myself on that one, but. Uh, no, I remember that as well. I mean, I, I, again, I, I think to your point, this idea of technology, um, and how conferences like this are are trying to push the envelope on these issues, but um, how we democratize this and how we ensure that students and families have equal access to it um, is one that we still struggle with. Uh, and some of those things may or may not be even, unfortunately, um, covered at this conference. And it gets to infrastructure, it gets to funding, it gets to mm -hmm. access. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it seems that there are entire swaths of communities that are being left behind and mostly uh, mostly involve Black parents. And so, I mean, I'm, I am curious, so how, how will, how is the work of, of Freedom Coalition centering the voices and experiences of, of, of Black parents. Right. So that, that's at the core of our work. Um, you know, in another life, I was a, a lobbyist in the education space. And I remember constantly walking into, you know, key, key legislators' offices and them saying, oh, you know, we've heard about charter schools, but we never see um, parents. We never hear from our constituents um, or, you know, or, you know, unfortunately, their charter, the word charter has had a negative connotation where people just as soon as they hear it, they don't want to be associated with it. Well, for us and for black parents specifically, um, depending on what region you're in, like, you know, in California, it I think it's atrocious when we look at the data around black schools in California, the majority of black students is like 5% of the population in California. Um, 
they're still at the lowest performing subgroup, even below children who English is a second language for them. Um, but we're finding that in the charter school space, um, black students in charter schools are excelling by leaps and bounds, even within one to three, one to two grade levels. Like they, they go from a traditional public school over to a charter school and even within one to two grades are able to advance. So, you know, we're seeing that there's opportunities there. And I think that, um, you know, what what we need to do in that regard is continue to elevate and amplify the voices of Black parents um, and in a different way. Um, I'm so proud of the work that our organization does because we are truly invested in parents. Like uh, instead of me hiring, you know, because we're in 10 regions across the country, I could have hired one or two staffers um, to kind of help navigate those regions. But I wanted to take a different perspective. And what I wanted to do was hire parents. I wanted to hire the authentic voices of the parents who've chosen a different model for their children who wake up every day, some of which have to drive, you know, 45 minutes out their way to get their child to a better school option. Um, you know, I wanted to tell the stories and have them tell their own stories about, you know, what did it mean, what it means to have maybe one child in a traditional school and another child in a charter school and the dynamics of trying to navigate both education systems, um, just really amplifying their voices um, in a way that truly speaks to what does it mean to be a Black parent in this public education system. And I want to do that by also honoring that that's intellectual property, that's research and data that um, oftentimes doesn't trickle back down into those communities. Um, so, you know, it's about hiring those parents and um, educating them and ultimately building even a pipeline for them. So they come in as volunteers in this work, but ultimately that could lead to a new role or new position for them. So we're highly invested in Black parents in a couple of ways. Well, that's, that's outstanding. I, I, I think in many ways, the voices of, of Black parents on a large scale are, are um, have been lacking in conferences like South By. Um, mm -hmm. And so we, oftentimes you're looking around like, so like, where are the students? Where are the parents? I mean, we're right. talking about them, but they're not part of the conversation. Um, and so I mean, I'm curious, what, what, who else do you think is missing from spaces like South by Southwest? Um, does mm -hmm. the conference have any blind spots on, you know, whether it be stakeholders or even topics? Like, right. you know, what should we be talking about here that we're not talking about? Yeah, I think to carry on with the thread that I was just sharing, like I think there's a missed opportunity to invest in the whole family when we think of education specifically. Um, you know, I am I am a black parent. You are a black parent, and we talk about public education system, and it's so easy for people to get caught up in talking about the child, right? You know, and some of some of our white counterparts come to this work, and they feel like they've got to come now save our our children. But we birth these children. We are raising these children. We are their first stop before they get off into this public education system. And at the same time, um, you know, I, I find it really, I don't want my child to get lost. I mean, even in some of our best, most quality schools, you know, we still have to deal with our, our families um, and our, ch our children who are one of few who are getting a quality school option. Um, I want to see that change. And so I think that there's missed opportunities to invest in the whole family by way of redirecting um, services and resources that, that will include parents and, and, um, and family members, grandparents, what have you. And I think, you know, especially right now, um, we are coming off the pandemic, you know, every day you're hearing about the mass gaps we have in learning loss, um, you, you know, 
Atlanta, Georgia was just talking about recently, like it's, and I, I, this number is crazy, but it's going to take 127 years for black families to even get caught up to par with um, white counterparts because of the, the mass amount of learning loss that's happened in Atlanta schools. I mean, first of all, that's just, that does, that's not our lifetime that's going to happen. Um, and so what are we doing about that? Like, we can't just allow, allow that to, that narrative to stay out there and be okay with it. Like, what does the learning recovery look like? How do we fix this? And I find as a, you know, being a, a, um, a product of a public education system, being, um, a, you know, a black person that just inherently feels like in our DNA, when challenges come our way, we find opportunities. I find this as a perfect opportunity to say like, we really need to reshape the entire education structure. Um, you know, everything from the learning loss, to the teacher attrition, to the social emotional learning, all these issues that we talk about, these are issues in the black communities that we've had for years. Um, and a lot of them have not been fully addressed because we haven't addressed the whole family. We've tried to, you know, pull the child out and save the child. And I'll tell you, as, as, as a person who's the first in my family to go to college, I still got to go back and, and help my, my parents out every day. I still have to go back and help my brothers and sisters that weren't able to go to college. So if we started looking at this structure in a sense of like, well, how can we help that mother or father get a job, you know, so that they can, even if it's potentially in the education system itself, because now they can be at the school with their child. They can be, you know, extending the learning hours beyond the, the eight to three to three to eight in the evenings that's at home. So I think that those are missed opportunities that we aren't thinking about. Um, and I, I, I say that because I have seen those opportunities show up in some of our, some of the best charter schools across the country that are run by some of the best leaders in this work. Yeah, I mean, all of those things are, are really where the rubber meets the road and a lot of like ideas versus implementation um, and fully actualizing the, the goals of these particular ideas that start off in conferences like this. Um, and so I'm, I, again, I'm glad that you're here and bringing that voice and that competency to places like this, because it seemed to me had to have been lacking. Uh, I don't want to keep you, but, you know, before I let you go, uh, I want to put you in this, in this mindset of, you know, futurist moving forward. Where will we be in education in 2050? What will schools, what will your grandchildren's education look like on a day-to-day -day basis, how will they receive uh, education and uh, how will they go about learning um, in 2050? So so is this the world as it is or the world as it should be? The world, <laughs> as, it, the world as it should be. World as it should be, okay. So, you know, the world as it should be in our future education system um, should be one where we eliminate buildings and walls, right? Where education is a constant across the board. Um, I think that there definitely needs to be major intersections with technology and education um, that we're learning now, but hopefully in the same you know, advancement that we've seen in technology over the last 20 years, we'll see those same advancements in technology and education system where you know, we have global schools where we're connecting students in America to students in Africa and China and India. And we're normalizing the idea of extending education beyond four walls, you know, extending education beyond testing and state assessments. Um, I think it's also important to realize that, you know, our young kids, I mean, I can't tell you, sometimes I'm really scared when I look at my 10 year old and my 11 year old, like they seem so much more intellectually um, invested than I was at their age. And so 
you know, it's just, it's scary and it's also um, refreshing. But what that what that says to me is that like, we have to constantly come up with reinventive ways to educate these kids because, you know, they don't want to just sit in a classroom and, and they don't have to, they don't want to just sit in a classroom and read a book when they can, you know, go on a site and go into a metaverse and, and learn about things firsthand. So I think we have to dramatically, um, and, and hopefully we will, dramatically shift the idea of what education means and, and how we actually invest in education across the board. I think we have some huge political challenges with that, that I think are really holding us back. And so another hope for the future is that, um, you know, we remove the politics out of this. And, and this is a real high panacea thought, right? Like, but we can remove the politics and get back down to the focus being on, you know, the students and um, ensuring that regardless of what your ideologies are or, you know, your, your, your religious beliefs would have you, that fundamentally we need to make sure our kids can read, write, you know, do arithmetic, that they can socialize with other people, like just fundamental human capacity issues that I feel like now are being very polarized. And, and I hope that that will change. It, it has to change, I think, for the sake of our humanity and our future. So I know that sounds real like ideology and Pollyanna, but, you know, I believe it. So <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that world and we need that world. Um, and I think that's absolutely we're fighting for. Um, thank you so much for joining me today on this edition of the Rise Reports podcast during uh, this great, you know, South by Southwest EDU conference. This is our What's Next? The Future is Now series here on location. Um, I'm Curtis Valentine. I'm so glad to have uh, my sister, Jay Artis Wright from the Freedom Coalition for Charter Schools as my guest. Uh, thank you all for listening in. And I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode of the Rise Reports podcast moving forward. Thank you all for joining us today and you all have a great day. Thanks for listening. Want to learn more about the Progressive Policy Institute? Follow us on Twitter at PPI and on Facebook at Progressive Policy Institute or go to our website at progressivepolicy.org. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and check back for new episodes. We'll talk with you soon.